Welcome to this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch, sponsored by Fast Pitch Prep. We've got a little bit of a different situation this week for you. Coach Don's in the Cherokee Batting Range podcast studio, and I'm sitting in my hotel room in beautiful Colorado. So hopefully uh, you'll all be able to uh, uh, enjoy this podcast just like you would if I was sitting there in the studio with uh, Coach Don and Stan. Uh, But uh, uh, we're we're experiencing the uh, beautiful opportunity that technology offers to us uh doing a remote podcast so don how's your week been it's been great tori we're uh, we're doing well here and excited that you're getting to uh get out and take a road trip and play some ball against teams you hadn't seen maybe in the in the uh, recent past but that's exciting yeah well i'm out in colorado and uh, having a great week a um, couple of uh sidebar topics for our listeners number one i've had about a half a dozen people um from different parts of the country all over the country um see me wearing the fast pitch prep or the everything fast pitch t-shirts and walking up and uh the conversation always starts with are you the guy that does the podcast or are you just a (laughs) podcast listener and where do i get a t-shirt and so um, I've had a chance to have several really nice conversations with listeners from all over the country and uh, very exciting to see that our reach has uh, gotten to the point now where people are, are willing to ask questions. Um, it has been uh, a lot of fun to have a chance to uh, meet different people that are listeners and, uh, and really enjoying the podcast. That's been a great thing. And Don, I think it's very exciting for you and I uh, to have uh, um, gotten to the point now where we're actually making, uh, making some connections with people uh, that uh, maybe we never thought we'd meet. No, I think that's very exciting, Tori. I know, uh, um, you know, it's been, what what episode are we at, 68-ish? So I, I believe it's 68, uh, 67 I, or 68. I don't have my notes in front of me, but obviously uh, uh, we've been rolling for a while, um, you know, a little bit more than a year and uh, year, about a year and a half now. And so obviously we're, we're gaining some momentum and it's exciting uh, to, like I said before, to have uh, people coming up to me. And uh, uh, I guess it's probably a good thing. It shows that uh, you and I both have faces for radio that people don't recognize <laughs> us uh, when they see us, but they recognize the podcast. So they, I think that's they, a very exciting thing. They hear your voice and they, they connect it. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, also we're going to talk quite a bit today in uh, one of our topics about what the Colorado experience is all about. Um, but I wanted us to start off with a couple of listener questions because one of the other things that we've been asking on a regular basis now is for our listeners to ask their friends, ask other people who are Fast Pitch fans to spread the word about everything Fast Pitch and uh, to help us um, grow the uh, listener base and try to get our information out to more and more people. And uh, we've been getting more and more more questions, a lot more action on uh, on email, and uh, obviously the face to face that we had out here in Colorado. So it's been been very exciting, and so uh, we're going to jump into our um, uh, first question. First question. Well, let's uh, let's start off with our player of the week. Okay. So uh, no um, sponsor. I, so, I don't have the paperwork in front of me, so yeah. you can tell us who our sponsor is. No, our, our first sponsor is going to be uh, Da Vinci's Pizza, and Da Vinci's Pizza is located at forty two hundred Wade Green Road. Their phone number is seven seven zero three nine two eight nine eight nine, and they uh, have fantastic pizza. If you haven't tried it, you need to get out there and check it out. And mention everything Fast Pitch, and they're uh, willing to give us all a ten percent discount. 
And they've been uh, sponsoring our shout-out segment for quite a while. So our first part of our shout-out segment is uh, our Player of the Week. But this year we, week, we've got a little bit of a different twist. Instead of the Player of the Week, I've got a Team of the Week. And I need to give you a little bit of the background story on this organization. Uh, Texas Bombers is a very strong, very competitive uh, national organization. Uh, Texas Bombers started something several years ago where they ask each player on their team to recognize a hero. And the heroes have been different groups of people uh, over time. This year they are honoring uh, POWs and MIAs, military uh, POWs and MIAs. In the past it's been um, military people or first responders who have lost their lives in the line of duty. And basically what they do is they ask each player to research a person, somebody that fits the criteria of, uh, of the group that they're trying to honor each year. And then on one of their jerseys, they will have basically the name and, uh, and uh, whatever the different uh, branch of service was, um, what their rank was. Um, and it's really a neat That's thing neat. to see this group yeah. uh, go up above and beyond to recognize people that really are heroes to all of us. And obviously with it being 4th of July and uh, you know a big national holiday, it really struck me uh, to see that team doing that. This year um, out here in Colorado, they had a series of all-star games and they did a very, a very touching ceremony where they honored um, uh, the players each honored as a different person who was a uh, prisoner of war or missing in action. And then they uh, recognized four families um, and gave them really nice uh, uh, framed jerseys and, uh, you know, to recognize them and to honor the, the person that they had lost. And so um, Texas Bombers, it's an amazing program that you've got there. Um, I think it's something that a lot of other um, travel ball organization organizations should think about emulating. Um, and the thing that I thought was really neat about it was the fact that each player you know, gets involved, uh, they do some research, they understand the story behind the person that they are honoring. And I just think it's a, a really awesome. cool thing uh, to see uh, people who have given everything that uh, that a person can give to our country, um, you know, people who have lost their lives in the line of duty, to be recognized on the softball field. And it's a very touching, very emotional thing every time I see it. So Texas Bombers, you are our team of the week. Uh, congratulations on being the Fast Pitch Prep Team of the Week. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, all the rest of you uh, travel ball folks that are out there, um, I think this would be a great idea for everybody to jump on board with. We don't, um, some we don't version do enough of, of it. it. Yeah, we just don't do enough of those type of things. And, and, and again, you know, obviously being 4th of July, um, kind of makes it ring a little bit uh, clearer. But the first time I had seen it was several years ago. And uh, you know, I was really touched by it at the time. And I just asked one of the players. And she went into a, you know, a nice little discussion, you know, kind of laid out for me why they did it, you know, how the, you know, the, the organization had ties to, uh, you know, to the military. And, uh, um, and again, to see them honoring first responders, military, uh, people who have lost their lives in the line of duty, it just was a very touching thing. And uh, um, hopefully we can get more people involved in doing those kinds of things. So um, Texas Bombers, congratulations. So that leads us into our listener questions. We've got two. We're going to start off with one that I got in an email. And this one comes from Don Watson in Louisiana. And Don's question is, when should the catcher keep her mask on or take it off during pop-ups and or past balls? So Don, 
you're the catching expert. We'll start with you, and then I'll jump in with my ideas. Awesome, awesome. No, I think uh, I think that's something that's uh, you know an instinctive thing for a catcher. A lot of times when uh, we have a pop up or a ball that goes up in the air, I'm old school, and you know for me it was best for us to pull the mask off as soon as possible to give yourself the very best uh, view. And once you have it in your hand, you want to hold on to it till you find out where the ball is. And then at that point, we would discard the, the helmet um, or the mask and in, in an area that won't hinder our, our footwork getting to the ball. Right. And, and, uh, let, me, let me just throw uh-huh. one thing in there for yeah. our listeners, though, because you are the old school catcher. So you had the old skull cap and... Yep. Uh, and separate mask. You did not play with the uh, with the new millennial mask that the kids are playing with now. The new millennial, right? right. So, and again, too, I think uh, I think some of those are are more easy to to uh, remove than others. Some of them um, have very good visibility right now, too, right? right? So, so they're they're okay to function with them on. Um, so that's something that, uh, you know, I guess would be a personal preference, but something that they need to, uh, you know, make a habit one way or the other, right? Right. As an instinct. Right. And I think for me, the uh, difference is now that the kids are all wearing the hockey style mask, I think that the way it's designed, my personal preference is for them to keep it on. Now, I will sure. say that for the longest time I was just like you, that, uh, you know, the mask came off as quick as you possibly could get it off. And then... Um, just for you easy, know, easy you would visual, have more, yeah. more vision. But I think the way that the new masks are designed and the fact that they fit so close to the face, that that vision is really good in them. And so on pop-ups, for sure, I like the kids to leave the masks on. And part of the reason why I like the mask on is when that ball gets back close to the backstop, and especially now that you're playing on a lot of fields that have pretty high backstops and a lot of uh, um, a lot of area, that uh, you know you'll see a ball that tries to skim along the the fence line or skim along the net. And I think that as soon as that starts to happen, that kids have a tendency to flinch. To and bail because, a little. Yeah. Um, the, when the mask is off, I think they flinch instinctively because they know if that ball does something funny, it's going to hit them in the hit them in the face. So I think it gives them a little bit more protection to have the mask on. And so for me on pop-ups, I like now to see the catchers that are wearing the hockey-style mask to keep the helmet on. On uh, tag plays or plays at the plate, I definitely want the mask on because I want the catcher to be armed with every single possible piece of protection protection. they can. And um, if something happens and a base runner is foolish enough to slide into my catcher, I want her to have shin guards and chest protector and helmet all as a way to protect herself and then also to inflict a little bit of don't come back in here again message. Not like that Uh, anyway, right? Yeah, so that uh, um, so that the uh, base runner knows that they're running into a, a, a very well protected uh, player when they when they head into home plate. On pass balls and wild pitches, I think you know again the instinct is to try to rip that mask off. Um, you know, and I think your idea of that as long as we're consistent with it, it can be a personal preference. But uh, the reality of it is, is, if a kid can get that hockey mask off that quickly. 
um, they're probably not wearing it right because it's not supposed to pop off, you know, slide off as easily as we used to pop the old catcher's masks off. And so um, I think there's a little bit of give and take with it. So I understand the old school idea, Don, and how you grew up with it, how I grew up with it. Um, but I think the new equipment might have changed the way uh, – might have changed the best practices just and, a little bit. And full disclosure, too, on my end, Tori, with that being as old as I am, I, I have not actually used a millennia, you know, any of the new styled hockey, hockey style masks either. But, uh, you know, if the viewability is good and comfortable and we're not in a situation where we can't find the ball because we've got it on, then I think keeping it on is definitely safer. Right. Well, and I think when you think about it, if a hockey goalie can see a hockey puck with it and if our catchers can see pitches with it, um, their vision should be pretty good. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be blind spots, but I think there's always going to be blind spots. But I, I just like the idea of the, the confidence that the uh, protection gives the catcher. And so my, my suggestion would be trained to keep it on. Um, Definitely for pop-ups, definitely for all plays at the plate. Um, and again, you're just kind of coming back to my other point, that if it's real easy for a catcher to rip that helmet off, um, my only fear is I think they might not be wearing it correctly to begin with. So maybe they're also you know, taking some hits on fall tips and things like that, that maybe they're absorbing a little bit more of the pain than they should just because um, they're wearing the mask so loose that, uh, they, that they can't take it off. So, sure. um, so Don Watson from Louisiana. We appreciate the the question. Um, there is going to be an Everything Fast Pitch T-shirt on its way to you, and in, in our uh, to show our appreciation for you sending us a question, and uh, we appreciate that very much. Um, if there's other listeners that have questions, please feel free to reach out to us. So, uh, Don, we have another question. Uh, you've got that one for us there in the studio. So yes, Tori, here uh, in the in the studio, we've got uh, tryouts that are coming up, and a lot of our listeners are talking about, um, you know, how many tryouts should I go to? How many um, tryouts do we want to make sure that I I get to before I make a choice? Should I go to all the tryouts? Um, what happens when tryouts are uh, happening all on the same day? that type of so oh, i think that's a very interesting question and i think it you know this is the crazy time of the year you know it, it's uh, uh as you approach the end of one season you know the plans for the next season crank up 110 percent and i think for organizations and teams you know, obviously they know that they're going to lose some players there's going to be some players that age out there's going to be some attrition and so they are automatically flip the switch to looking for the next players that are going to fill out their roster and in some cases an opportunity to upgrade the talent level on their teams by um, beating other groups to the punch about when tryouts are going to and when their tryouts are going to happen. And so I think one of the things that uh, we're starting to see more and more of is that the calendar keeps moving up further and further because you know different teams are trying to get a jump on the competition try to get some of those good players uh, committed to their teams uh, before a player has an opportunity maybe to go to a different uh, tryout or a different organizations tryout so my advice for each player and each parent is to you know take a good honest look at what it is that they're looking for as they approach tryouts and make sure that the um, that the types of teams that they're trying out for, the types of organizations that they're trying out for, match up with what their goals are first. Um, if a family is not really committed to playing high-level travel ball, uh, going be to tryouts for high-level travel ball teams is kind of a waste of time. Absolutely. No, I think, uh, I think that's definitely good advice for sure. But I think this year, Tori, um, even with some of the tryouts that are 
coming up here in the next few weeks, uh, we're pushing to the point where it might be too soon if you're really looking to attract all the best talent. Um, you know, unless they're going to be doing multiple tryouts, there's a lot of kids that are still playing and they don't know, you know, if they're definitely going to be looking for another group to work out with or uh, right. if they're staying where they're at. You know, I know that's kind of a, an evolving thing, but it's almost getting too early. Yeah, well, I think it, again, it's a balancing act for the organizations and, and for parents. You know, I think it's, you know, it's kind of looking into the crystal ball. If you are totally happy with the team that you're with and the team that you're with is going to age up together, then I think that the tryouts is something that you shouldn't even be thinking about. If you're a player who's starting to feel like maybe you're out, you've outgrown the team that you're on or your skills have developed to the point where it's time for you to look for a more serious team, a higher level team, you know, then I think you're going to have to take that leap of faith and, and do a little bit of research, look at the options that are going to be available to you, what other organizations are having tryouts, and figure out a way to you know, work the system to your advantage to make sure that you get seen by the teams in those organizations that you want to be seen by. Um, you know, it's like everything else that we talk about with uh, the travel ball world. It's all give and take. Um, but I think that one of the things that uh, uh, for some kids and some player and some parents, that we kind of get into this rut of thinking that there's always going to be a better opportunity. You know, the grass is always going to be greener on the other side of the fence. And sometimes I think that for some players, you know, the reality of it is that they're in exactly the right place they should be. And if they would just, you know, you know, be happy where their feet are instead of thinking about where they can get step into for the next opportunity, that a lot of this would settle down and, and a lot of it would be a little bit easier for everybody to manage. Um, and again, if you're a player that is outgrowing your team and, and, and think it's time for you to try something that's going to be a little bit more challenging, you know, you're not going to know what's the right fit until you're on a team. So going to, you know, multiple tryouts isn't necessarily still going to solve the problem because, you know, just getting selected to play for team A or team B doesn't mean that that's going to be a happier place for you than the team that you were on. So, you know, it's definitely a leap of faith. Um, you know, you can do a lot with research. You can ask a lot of questions. You can talk to players that you know that are part of a team or part of an organization and try to use that information to your advantage. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, the first thing to start off with, you know, some little soul searching, make sure that you know what it is that you're looking for. And then if that means you've got to figure out a way to go to a bunch of tryouts, and I think that's what you'll have to do. If, you know, here in the Atlanta area, you know, we've got uh, one uh, conglomerate of, uh, of travel ball organizations that have all coordinated their tryouts together, and they pretty much dominate one weekend. And so you have other organizations either, you know, the week before, the week after. Um, and again, that's a little bit where that uh, challenge is going to come in for scheduling. But I also think that you know, if a player does a little bit of research and they know that there's a specific team that they're interested in, even if they can't go to a big mass tryout, they could probably still make arrangements to do an individual workout or you know go and practice with a team for a practice and let that coach get to know them in that way too. So I think there's lots of ways to manage the tryout opportunities, um, but there's there's no absolute yes or no answer to what's the right approach for each player to take. Yeah, no, I like the. Uh, I like the idea of going and picking up with a team. Um, you know, it might be a friend that plays on another team that needs someone this time of year. And 
then like you say, get familiar with that group. Let those coaches get familiar with you. And that's like a, a nice, uh, a nice opportunity to, for both sides to feel things out. But, um, when someone's got the notion that they're, they're ready for something different, they need to be out watching, watching how, uh, other coaches manage their team and, you know, the demeanor of the kids and the atmosphere and see if that's something that fits well for them. Um, if it is, then they need to make sure they are at those tryouts and get to as many as they can to get a feel for where they, you know, where they're going to fit best. I think, right. I think your advice too about, uh, you know, the soul searching or, you know, as a family group, kind of deciding what type of commitment we want to put forth together, then then that's going to, you know, help make our choice all the better. Right. One well, and one other thing I'm going to throw out there, and this is again, you know. Uh, Tory on the soapbox. But one of the things that I see quite often now when these uh, tryout announcements go up, that uh, coaches will respect your confidentiality and keep you know the fact that you're <laughs> out secret, like yeah. this is some sort of CIA operation. And here's the only thing I'm I'm going to say about don't, that. I want to spoil if, my other opportunity. Playing for a coach that you have to hide the fact that you might try out from an, for another team. If you have to hide it from that coach, you might be on the wrong team. If you're the kind of person that feels it's okay to sneak around behind somebody else's back to try out for a team, right? Because you're so <laughs> sure that the people that you're dealing with are so underhanded and sneaky or bad people that they're going to hold it against you for trying out for another team, I think you've got some issues you need to we'll, deal with. We'll upset the apple about. cart there. Yeah. The, the, the whole thing that uh, this is somehow um, some sort of clandestine operation that, uh, you know, that uh, the uh, CIA and the FBI and all those people would be in charge of is one of those things that's a little bit frustrating to me, you know, to, um, to see that the uh, um, travel ball world has is, is become something that sneaky is a little <laughs> bit frustrating for me. So if you're going to try out for a new team, that's great, but don't try to keep it a secret. If you want somebody to try out for your team, that's great, but don't promise them that it's going to be a secret. You know, right. if, one of the, if a kid comes and tries out with your team and there's another player from your team there, guess what? It's not secret. So <laughs> let's just be upfront and honest about what's going on. You know, if you're on a team and you want to think about the idea of looking for a new team, go to that coach and say, hey, I'm going to, you know, I, I love your team. You know, my, my daughter's really happy or you, as a player, or coach, I'm really happy. But I think as a player, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to look at my options because I want to play in college. I want to, you know, play with the, you know, in Colorado or California. I want to go, you know, play it at PGF, whatever it is, if those things are not available with the current team. And just be honest about it. And the flip side of it is the coach that you're playing for might look at it and say, well, hey, I didn't realize our team was that interested in going to Colorado. I can do that. Right. So, you know, maybe if we were a little bit more upfront and a little bit more honest, we'd have you know a lot more people a little bit happier with what's going on. So um, please don't turn this into some top secret stealth operation. Just be honest with everybody that's involved so that we can all just get along. And I think in the end, we all want everybody to be exactly where they need to be to, to fulfill their goals, you know. So right. it's so, all good. I think, I think that you know, tryouts are going to be going full tilt now for the next month-ish here in our part of the country. I'm not sure in, yeah. in other parts of the country where you've got school ball in the spring and things like that. Um, but for all our listeners, if you're a, a, tri- a travel ball family, travel ball player, travel ball parent, travel ball coach, let's just you know work together to make sure that kids find the right place for them. Um, and coaches, let's just be realistic. If your team is at a certain level and you lose a player because 
because they want to move up to a higher level. Don't be pissed off about it. Be happy that you did such a great job helping that kid develop. Sure. They're not ready to move up the food chain. Right. No matter what level you play at, there's always going to be a better team than yours. That's just the way it is. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, um, a player, uh, you helping a player get to the point where they can move up to a stronger team, you know, to, you know, if, if you've helped them grow as a player that uh, their goals about playing in college or something like that have, have grown because of your time, don't try to hold them back. You know, let, uh. either, either you change your team to match with what they want or allow them to go to a team that matches with what they're looking for. And, Tori, I've had a handful of times, and I really admire the coaches for it, but I've had a handful of times when they just flat out come and say, you know, she's outgrown us. She's she's just so much better than the rest of our group. They don't want to dissolve the group just because, you know, that one top player is leaving. But they wish her well, and they encourage her to go and, you know, and continue to grow like that. And I really admire the coaches that work that way because so many other times, I've seen, you know, the discipline and the anger and the, uh, you know. The, I can't the, believe she's left me. Right. Well, the, the challenging, we did all this for her and she's leaving. And, you know, and if it can be more of a comfortable, happy scenario, then everybody wins. So, right. Because it's going to happen. I don't think we're yeah. sending a very good message to any young player when mom and dad are sneaking around and the coach that they're thinking about playing for is sneaking around, trying to, you know, do this underhanded backdoor, yeah. side door, you know, operation. So, um, so tryouts are, are going. Uh, tryouts for the teams that you think fit you the best. Um, if that means that you have to leave a team, that's great. But like we said before, do a little soul searching and make sure that you know what you're looking for before you go shopping. So we can get the right fit. Perfect. So that leads us into topic number one. Topic number one, Don, is sponsored by B. Sampson, Inc. Tell us about B. Sampson, Inc. This segment is sponsored by B. Sampson, Inc. They are our interior trim specialists. They specialize in interior trim, doors, windows, custom closets, coffered ceilings, built-in bookcases, crown molding, post and beam ceilings. They will meet or surpass any of your woodworking needs. They're located in Loganville, Georgia. Their phone number is 404-569-5034. Yeah, and uh, we really appreciate all the support from uh, Brett Sampson and, and his company. And uh, we're very excited to uh, enter into this discussion about the Colorado experience. So, Don, this is as crazy as it is. Uh, the first time I've ever been in Colorado as a coach coaching a team. Now, I've been out here about uh, 18, 19 times as a college coach recruiting. And being on the other side of the fence has been an interesting experience, but I want to just kind of talk about Colorado and uh, the uh, opportunities that it presents uh, for players, coaches, uh, teams to, to participate in. Once upon a time, Colorado was not the epicenter of all things fast pitch in, in the summer. Once upon a time, these tournaments out here were very small, you know, very uh, uh, select events. And now what, it's, what has happened is um, in probably about a 200-mile uh, radius, I think every softball field that uh, um, possibly could have games being played on it has got games being played on it. The number of teams out here has got to be in the thousands. The number of players is clearly in the thousands. You've got three major tournaments. Uh, the two originals, the Independence Day Tournament, which runs up in Boulder and now in the Boulder area, and then the fireworks, which uh, was held in the Aurora area. 
Now, back once upon a time, both of those tournaments, you know, were played at four field complexes, had 18 and under divisions, you know, had maybe 60 teams, 64 teams in each tournament. So it was a nice event, but it was not the super event that we have going on out here now. And then a few years ago, a third major event called the Sparkler was also added. The Sparkler is run by Triple Crown, and in the uh, recent uh, history, Triple Crown purchased the fireworks tournament. So now you basically have three tournaments run by two different groups that uh, encompass all age groups. I think the furthest north is almost Wyoming now, that they're that far up into Loveland, Colorado, and south of Colorado, down towards uh, Colorado Springs, and uh, every place in between. So it's it's a softball palooza out it's, here in the Denver area. It's kind of a neat, uh, neat environment for a tournament and a fun place maybe for everybody to go. You get to see the mountains. You get to do a little bit of, uh, you know, some offshoot side trips and stuff as a family or as a group and team. But... Um, that that kind of used to be the the place everybody had to be for recruiting, and yeah, you know, oh, and it still is one of the most important places for you to be from a recruiting standpoint. And so, um, as with all things recruiting, you know, the new rules and the change uh, away from the push away from uh, the early early recruiting has changed the dynamic yet again. As we've talked about uh, at uh, at nauseum. You know, the new transfer rules have changed the recruiting game again drastically. But the, uh, uh, the, the transfer rules and the push away from early recruiting has changed the landscape out here. So just to kind of give people a little bit of, a, of an understanding, um, I think that college coaches are still out here recruiting like crazy. The number of coaches that are in uh, the Denver area right now working on recruiting encompasses the entire spectrum, everybody from uh, Oklahoma and UCLA, the very top of the Division One food chain, all the way down to the smallest of junior colleges, um, some schools that when you see the names of the schools, you have to kind of do a little bit of a double check. You know, maybe you have to do a quick uh, search on your phone to even find out for sure where they're located where they're or, or yeah. you know, what the school's really all about. But it's it covers the whole spectrum. But I think that's a great thing because the talent level out here covers the whole spectrum. You know, sure. you've got some exceptional teams that have tons of tremendous players that are all going to be, you know, very highly recruitable and 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 very highly sought after prospects, all the way down to some, you know, not quite so strong teams that have maybe one or two legitimate, you know, college prospects on them. And so you've got a, a melting pot of players, a melting pot of college programs all out here recruiting. Um, and it, it offers a great opportunity uh, for players to be seen by a wide variety of college coaches. Now, for the players and parents, you know, again, you know, this is a huge recruiting opportunity. One of the things that we've talked about a lot this last couple of uh, episodes is for those of you that are involved in the recruiting process, I strongly recommend you take a second and check out our fastpitchprep.com website. Uh, look at a couple of the introductions that we have for our recruiting seminar because our recruiting seminar goes into a very in-depth explanation of some of the things and strategies that you could be using to take full advantage of an opportunity like Colorado. Colorado is a beautiful opportunity for you to work on getting seen and making sure that your player gets in front of college coaches. But as you can tell from the discussion we've already had, the scope of this event is so gigantic 
that if you came out here to play in Colorado and thought that college coaches were just going to miraculously see you play, you've totally missed the boat. And so we want to give you the information that you need to take advantage of the opportunities that you have when you're out here. Um, Because there's so many college coaches out here, but there's so many players to be seen. And the size of the area that the college coaches have to navigate to get from park to park and tournament to tournament to see the different players is something that uh, can be a little bit daunting for the college coaches. So you've got to convince them. You've got to sell them on the idea that they need to come and see you play. And so, um, again, I think it's a tremendous opportunity, but parents, players, we want to make sure that you have the knowledge that you need to take advantage of the opportunity that you have when you make a trip to a place like Colorado. So, Tori, you now to a showcase or again to nationals. Tori, I'm going to throw this out there again, and that's uh, that's all information that's available for them on uh, the website. We've got a great recruiting seminar and video that uh, has been put together for them to help navigate all this, uh, you know, chaos and and the excitement that. Uh, you know, we hope for them to be a part of, but they need to get out there and check that out and um, do the do the best they can so that when they do go to these tournaments, they're taking advantage of it. Right. And now the one other thing that, that does go along with uh, the, the big events out here is they've done a nice job of adding in some extra events. Um, they do some different kinds of all-star games. They do some competitions. Uh, a couple of our players played in the uh, uh, all-star game the other night. And again, you know, when you go into an all-star game situation at an event like this, you have to understand that the um, event itself, the opportunity to be a part of it, is a little bit more than the actual softball part of it is. Um, you know, most that- of the kids only got one at bat in the game. A handful of kids got two. Um, you know, players were moved around from different positions uh, because of the number of pitchers that were involved in the All-Star Games. Each pitcher basically only pitched one inning. So you're not going to be out there being the featured, you know, uh, the only game in town to, per se in one of these All-Star Games. But the experience that our players had being involved with it was something that they really enjoyed. You know, of course, they had a chance to be out there with other really high-level players from different teams. You know, they got a chance to make some friends and talk to some people for both of our kids um, they got a chance to play with some players that are going to be their future teammates that they'll be uh, going off to school with this fall and joining on their college team so I think for them it was a great experience Um, depending upon the tournament that you're in some of them are uh, a complimentary thing that you get to be nominated to do for free and others are things that you have to pay a fee to be involved in. So Tori I was just about to ask you too is that something that uh, the coaches initiate that you just have to ask your... Basically the travel ball coaches can nominate players from their teams to participate um, and how each coach does it I think is up to them but I think that uh, the opportunity to play in an all-star game can be a really cool experience depending upon where it's at and which organization that uh, your your team is playing in, what, what tournament you're playing in, I think uh, adds or subtracts a little bit from the recruiting value of it. You know, I think that uh, unfortunately being selected to play in one of these all-star games um, does not necessarily always mean that you're one of the best players in the tournament. 
I see. Um, you know, I think that uh, you know uh, a team that is not as strong has just the, has the same opportunity to uh, recommend a player for the All Star team um, or an All Star game as um, any one of the you know strongest programs, strongest travel teams would have the opportunity to. And and in the game that our kids played in, there was a, a fairly wide range. All of them were good players, but there were a couple of real studs, a bunch of really good players, and a couple of kids that looked like they were maybe just a step off you know sure. just a, a smidge behind um and so it was it was a good competitive game um and and had a lot of exciting stuff but you know i think that they you know they also offer a lot of different opportunities and so um so those kinds of things are going on it has a little bit you know there's other things besides just the softball that also make the trip to Colorado a, a very interesting experience. You know, and you mentioned some of that before. You know, people are you know, working the schedule so that they can play in the morning and then have an afternoon to maybe go rafting or zip lining or up to the mountains or uh, you know, all kinds of different things. And so I think there's a lot of different uh, aspects to the trip to Colorado that can make it something really special and memorable. And so you know, I would recommend for every player at some point in your career you need to make this trip um, and uh, I think it's um, whether it's players like we have on our gold team right now that are at the end of their travel ball career for the most part and heading off to college sure you know, I think they're having a chance to you know make some memories and spend some quality time and and you know do some fun things with their teammates to wrap up their uh, wrap up their travel ball careers uh, for players that are more in the recruiting wheelhouse you know I think it's a must attend event um, but it's such a big event that if you don't know what you're doing got to do it right knowledge that we mentioned before it's it's not it's not a good investment from a recruiting standpoint if the players are not going to do the work they need to do to make sure that the college coaches come to watch them play and um, but the you know the overall softball is good um, you know the f- facilities that we're playing at we're we're playing in the fireworks tournament so we're playing in Aurora um, we're playing out at the Aurora Sports Complex which is a beautiful 12 field facility um, the fields get dragged after every game they get lined after every game awesome. you know, each each game that you play has a as a sense of importance to it that I don't think is true at a lot of other places. You know, you and I both know that there's a lot of travel ball tournaments that you'll play at that uh, they put the lines down for the first game at 8 o'clock in the morning and the field doesn't get touched again until they, you know, do field maintenance at 10 o'clock at night. The kids are out there playing on fields that are totally torn up. So that aspect of it, I think, is really cool. Um, And again, you know, I think it's it's just a giant melting pot of players. You get a chance to see a lot of different people meet people from different parts of the country and i think it's you know that that's a really fun aspect of it as well i like the excitement of playing teams you've never seen before to me that's fun yeah absolutely and and you know here i think um you know i've seen teams from iowa i've seen that is an area that you wouldn't normally see you know for our listeners that are not aware iowa plays their high school season in the summer so iowa travel ball is on a whole different um, set of challenges than even our our fall uh, states have and so you know we, we've seen a, te- a really good team from Iowa um, you know, obviously California Washington Oregon um, you know Midwest you know, Wisconsin and, and yeah. Min- uh, Minnesota and Michigan you know all the way up into the northeast obviously so it's a total melting pot of, uh, of softball um, un- as crazy as it is though of course one of our pool play games was a team from South Carolina that our team has played against probably 
50 times over the course of their entire travel ball career. Right. So unfortunately, you know, you don't get the magic wand to get to hand pick who you want to play against, but, uh, um, but it's still a great experience. So, um, so the Colorado experience is something that I strongly recommend. Now I'm going to throw this out there for you. It is expensive. The tournaments cost a lot. You know, the one that we're playing in, um, you're only guaranteed six games and the entry fee is over two thousand dollars. Well, and two, just so, the lodging and just and then the you whole start travel and transportation and, yeah. and, and everything else. You know, you're, you're paying to get into the park as a family. Um, you know, you're staying in um, predetermined selected hotels. Um, obviously, you're going to have the transportation cost to get out here. Now, my honest opinion is that the uh, experience is more valuable than the cost but it's still gonna it's still an expensive trip and like you said um, at least once for everybody yeah but i think it's it's definitely something that everybody should do and there's something cool about you know where we're playing you know there's an air force base not too far away so at least a couple times every day you see the uh, fighter jets up there flying around you know you can look uh to the west and you see the rocky mountains um and you still see the snow on the top and, and things like that you know, even though it's the fourth of july weekend and so there's a lot of things cool. about it that are really cool very neat no i think well, uh, again too that's one of those do at least once if uh you know if you're able to do it multiple times that's even even better but right and if you're doing it again if you're doing it from a recruiting standpoint just uh, educate yourselves well in advance so you can do all the right things as uh, as we mentioned earlier there's tons of college coaches out here but there's tons of teams and tons of players so if you don't do your work if you don't do the things you need to do to make sure that they know who you are and that they want to come and see you play you might be disappointed with the amount that you spent um, and the number of coaches that actually got a chance to see you play right. so, but you're saying so that leads into our topic number two Don our topic number two is sponsored by elite sporting goods elite sporting goods elite sporting goods is uh located at 905 grayson highway in lawrenceville georgia and their phone number there is 678-377-0270 and you can also contact them at elite elite sports order at yahoo.com that's right. elite it's, sports it's elite order. sports orders it is plural at yahoo.com um, and uh, elite does a great job they are um, experts in the world of fast pitch softball so if you need any kind of equipment uh, uniforms bats balls gloves um, contact the folks at elite and they can hook you up and uh, again another one of our sponsors that we're really happy to have and somebody that's doing a great job for us so our question uh, suggestion for this topic comes from one of our listeners and so this comes from mike w and mike w's question i'll just abbreviate it for you is that he has a lot of baseball experience but he's curious about uh, creating a pitching workout for his pitchers that is going to give them enough work and enough time um, to develop their skills. And so um, you know, I think we've talked about this topic already a couple of times, um, but I wanted us to, to, Brush to on answer it. Mike's question. And um, so Mike's question basically revolves around um, how many pitches, how many times a week, how many training sessions, um, and then how many pitches – in a game and then also how many uh games back to back or games in a weekend so um so we, we've talked about this idea of um uh, the old wives tale that we uh used to to really hold near and dear to our hearts that the underhand motion was can't hurt them 
yeah, the, the underhand motion was so natural that pitchers could pitch forever and we weren't really hurting them. And unfortunately, what we know now is that that's absolutely not true. Um, you know, we've talked about, written a couple of blogs about, um, Mike, I would recommend too that if you have a second to look uh, on our website, you know, we've got several blogs that I've written about, uh, you know, the wear and tear of, um, of uh, pitching and, and, and some of the studies that have been done now that definitely give us some insight into the fact that um, the underhand motion, while it's not as damaging as overhand throwing, still definitely does have the potential to cause injury. And um, the unfortunate thing is I don't think that we're going to be able to give Mike an absolute answer today on how many pitches is the right number of pitches. What I will say is that I think we need to start to err more on the side of safety and um, and try to you know get to know our pitchers well enough to understand the difference between being sore from working out and pain from overworking. And I think that that's something that is really more of the the individual crux of this yeah. than than it is what's the exact formula because I don't know that there is an exact formula if we have a ten year old girl who is very mature and very strong um, that is um, you know five foot three and and you know one hundred and twenty pounds versus a ten year old girl who is four foot six and sixty eight pounds. Right. Um, that you know, we can have a, a set of guidelines that match up for both of them. But I think the one thing that is absolute is if pain is a symptom of the work that a kid is doing, that we're probably doing too much. But now, again, there's a difference. And again, I think this is the challenge for Mike or any other coach is to be able to tell the difference between somebody who's sore because they've, you know, uh, stretched themselves a little bit or pushed themselves a little bit versus somebody who has pain because they've pushed themselves past the threshold of what was appropriate for them at that time. Tori, I think that's great advice for sure. And, and you're exactly right about everybody being a little bit different. And uh, to me, and something I want for all players to do, and, and whether it's overhand throwing or pitching, is to communicate with mom and dad and their coaches. And I think that's, uh, you know, not emphasized enough of, you know, asking the players and you'll know the personalities of the kids, too, but asking them how they feel and, and you know, as they're warming up, are we stiff from the last workout? Are we uh, do we feel tight? Did we stretch enough? I mean, all those kinds of things. And I think that our listeners right on track on trying to have a, a good plan or a game plan. And uh, I think they're asking the right questions. But, um, Tori, to your point, I think they're all unique and they're all different. And we more so need to err on the side of caution, just like you said. Than, right. Than to well, because we see the other so much more. We want our pitchers to be great. And so, yeah. you know, the first instinct is that if I work harder, if I throw more, if I, you know, if I really dedicate myself to this and work really hard at it every day of my life, I'll get better at it. And some of that logic is true. The kids who do work more are much more likely to be learning more things, to de developing themselves um, to a higher level. But I think that the, the consequences of that, you know, the potential for injury, uh, the potential for long-term damage is legitimate, too. And we have to be trying to find that balancing act between the two. There's a perfect uh, mix somewhere in there. Right. Now, I think that um, one of the things that, uh, that I'm seeing, especially being around the younger team, 
is that there are an awful lot of parents who want to believe that, well, my baby's a hard worker. She can do anything. You know, she's, she's a grinder. You know, you can't, you can't ask her to do too much. She can pitch and pitch and pitch and pitch. And I think sometimes our parents are just as guilty of, uh, you know, blindly ignoring, um, the telltale signs, um, that that are there. The kids are pleasers. They want to. They want to do it. I mean, yeah. they want to. And, and the kids. You know, one of the things that you know, we have to really get to know them. We have to be able to look at their facial expression. We have to be able to look at their body language. We have to be able to look at how their body is reacting to the work that they're doing to be able to read between the lines. Because the typical young player, in my opinion, doesn't want to disappoint anyone. Right. They want to please their coaches. They want to make their parents happy. They want to make their parents proud. They want to help their team win. And if they think that the best way for them to to accomplish to all those yeah. things is to keep throwing no matter what, to keep pitching no matter what, I think we've got a serious you know potential, potential. Um, yeah. for for a real problem there. So I think we have to you know be the adults in that situation and be able to read those different signs and say, okay, it's time to you know pull back a little bit. It's time to you know to take uh, you know a, a little bit of a rest. It's time to you know think about okay, she was pitching five days a week but it's clear that you know that her arm is tired it's clear that from her um, lack of enthusiasm for practicing from her body language facial expressions facial expression you know from the, the look on her face when she throws a certain pitch whatever it is we have to be the ones that can look at it and say okay that's too much and you know i understand in the heat of the moment we all want to win a game we all want to end up um, you know, taking that next step in the tournament, but I think we have to always be thinking about what's best for that player. And again, you know, there's a, there's a difference between um, working hard and working too hard. You know, there's a, a line between how much is the right amount and how much is too much. And again, there's no magic number. You know, the one thing you know that Mike mentioned, you know, with his baseball background, you know, in baseball, we, we, we think we have this magic formula figured out where, you know, if a pitcher, you know, pitches X number of pitches on Monday, he takes Tuesday and Wednesday off. That means on Thursday, he's perfectly fine to pitch X number of pitches again. And even in baseball now, I think we're starting to see that some of that knowledge and some of that experience that we gained over all those years isn't as accurate as we once thought it was. And, you know, I mean, name a, a baseball pitcher that hasn't had to have Tommy John surgery. Right. So, you know, if, if you know, what we're starting to see now is even where we thought we were so knowledgeable in, in baseball, some of that's starting to blow up in our faces a little bit now. But you're seeing more and more, um, you know, scientific evidence, more and more medical studies that are being done that show that pitching back-to-back games is, is potentially damaging. The pitching you know, back-to-back days is potentially damaging for softball. Um, now, I think the way our game is created, the way our game is set up, that there's always going to be some, you know, some risk. But I think we have to start to really think about um, helping our players understand that we want them to work smart and hard. And that smart is as important or maybe in some ways more important than hard. So instead of thinking that you have to throw 100 pitches every day, let's think about if we're going to, you know, if we're going to work on a, on a better system, you know, maybe a pitcher does need to do some work every day, but maybe one day it spins. Maybe one day it's just flexibility and stretching and strength. Maybe the next day it's full on pitching. Then maybe it's a day of total rest. And then it's, you know, kind of, you know, you know, as we as we get to see our 
players develop, start to create you know, an individualized program that matches up with what you know with what their skills are and 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 what their goals are, and then also what their body is going to allow them to do. So, Tori, I'm excited that we've got a, a listener, coach, parent that uh, that's excited about monitoring it and making sure that they they have a plan and a program, and and just like you said, if they're interested enough to. Um, do some type of a journal or keep track of these things, then we can have a better understanding of what led to, um, you know, the breakdown. If we get to a point where we have to take a break because they push too hard, um, we can understand when it is to do just a little bit more of one of those activities you just described or not. And um, on the other end, it's so much more fun to play when you feel good and rest is going to allow these kids to feel good. And that's something, you know, rest is, is one of those uh, components as well. right right and and for those big days when you want to show well if you're rested and fresh you didn't necessarily have to work on all your spins the night before you know work on being rested and and hydrated and having a good meal in your in your body going into that weekend and i think we're going to see you know good results but i know that uh you know for our listener that they're going to do great because they're on top of it and i'm excited about that Right. And uh, the last thing I will say is I think that the most fundamental and important part of this discussion is making sure that the pitcher is being instructed properly. You know, they have to have solid fundamentals and solid mechanics um, that limit the amount of damage they are doing to their body. And unfortunately, we talk about, you know, the, the instruction business a lot. And hitting is one of those things that if there's a hitting instructor or a parent or somebody giving bad advice or, or teaching something that's a little bit off or a little bit, you know, fundamentally flawed, you know, it might make a hitter struggle a little bit, but it's probably not going to cause permanent damage. You know, might, you know, create a situation where that hitter's got to unlearn something and relearn it better. But for a pitcher, if a pitcher is being instructed in something that does not make sense for how the human body is supposed to work, that is biomechanically flawed, um, if we're doing things um, that uh, don't make sense for how the human body is supposed to work, you can create permanent physical damage that that might scar a player for life you can you know create damage in the shoulder you can create damage in the elbow you can create damage in the wrist that at you know the very least is probably going to require some sort of surgery to repair and at worst case scenario might set a kid on a track that says you know pitching hurts too much i just don't want to do it and so let's make sure that the people that we're working with the the pitching instructors that we're asking to help our kids um, are you know, knowledgeable enough, biomechanically sound enough that the things that they're asking your kid to do make sense for how the human body works. And we're, you know, fortunate to have had you know, a lot of discussions with Deb Sonnenberg, who played on the Canadian Olympic team. You know, my last pitching coach was Cat Hosfield Fritz, who uh, was trained very, very well and very knowledgeable. I think there's a lot of other people out there that are in that same mold of knowledgeable instructors who understand biomechanics and understand what the human body is supposed to do and how it's capable, what it's capable of doing. And again, so um, parents and kids, if you're getting, if you get done with a lesson and everything about you hurts because you know your arms going in a crazy way your body's doing something that's you know really uncomfortable if you feel um, you know 
those kinds of things while you're working on your training, I think you need to take a good hard look at does what my instructor is asking me to do make sense? Is it, you know, is it allowing me to take advantage of what my body can do? Or is it trying to make my body do something that it's just not designed to do? And if it's the second category, we need to find a new pitching coach. Yeah, and experiment a little bit with uh, with reaching out to someone else, right? Right. And, and again, there's a lot of experts out there, but I think that uh, there are people that can teach you something that might help a ball break more, but also might break your body down. And I think that you can throw all the pitches, you can throw with the maximum velocity your body can create, and do all those things in a very biomechanically strong way that supports what your body's capable of doing, you're going to be sore, you're going to be tired, but you're not going to be hurt. And that's the fine line to me. So um, so we really appreciate the question. Um, and uh, Mike, I uh, wish we could give you an absolute uh, program to follow, but I think the fact that you've already thought enough to send us this question answers my first question for you is, are you willing to pay attention to what your kids are doing so that you can help them create the right program for them. And I'm confident now that uh, after this discussion that that's what you're going to do. So again, we really appreciate the fact that we had uh, a couple of listener questions, uh, people that wanted to contribute to the content of the podcast this week. We're always asking our listeners to do that. So if you can reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com with uh, topic ideas, listener questions, suggestions for player of the week, any of those kinds of things, we'd love to hear from you. Again, it's everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or through our website at fastpitchprep.com. You can also contact contact us at fastpitchprep at gmail.com. So, Don, that leads us into our coaching tip of the week. Our coaching tip of the week is sponsored by Kennesaw Mattress. So tell everybody about Kennesaw Mattress. This segment is brought to you by Kennesaw Mattress Outlet. That's owned and operated by Kenny Abernathy. Kenny is located at 2953 North Cobb Parkway in Kennesaw, Georgia. And his phone number is 678-324-6323. If you've got any questions at all about beds, adjustable mattresses, Kenny is really knowledgeable. He can give you all the concepts on latest technology and all the, the cooling gels and all the different things that are involved now. But uh, you really do need to reach out to Kenny and mention that uh, you heard about him through us here at Everything Fast Pitch or Fast Pitch Prep. And uh, I'm sure Kenny will take great, great care of you. That's awesome. So our coaching tip of the week, Don, is the importance of throwing and catching. You know, it's one of those things we talk about, the most fundamental of skills. But unfortunately, I think for us as coaches, sometimes we kind of take it for granted. And what I'm seeing out here this week um, and it's really been driven home to me as, as we're playing in a, in a very strong tournament with some very competitive teams and uh, sitting around watching other games while we're waiting and watching other teams play that we're going to be playing. I'm seeing an awful lot of times where games are being determined by the most fundamental of skills. And now we're talking about kids here. Uh, that are 18 and under kids that you know many of them are going to be college freshmen and I'm still seeing you know some fundamental flaws with our abilities to throw the ball correctly and throw the ball well and our ability to make the routine plays catching and fielding um, that that are going to separate you know winning and losing and so coaches we've got to make sure that you know we we are never losing sight of the fact that these fundamental skills are going to be the key to our success on the field 
No, so many times, Tori, that uh, big games are won and lost with with one little oops, and we're talking about chip games. It's not not just uh, you know your your weekend tournament, but uh, I hate to see when we've gotten so far and it comes down to who who can or can't throw and catch well, and that's something that uh, time spent. Um, whether it's uh, at the beginning of every practice or at home on their own, you know, the players that can can do those little things, you know, at a really high percentage rate are going to be the kids that, uh, you know, that are going to show best on game day. Absolutely. And so my advice as coaches, we need to make sure that we are emphasizing these skills. Um, I understand that, you know, when, when we're coaching a team, you know, the temptation is, you know, for us as coaches, we want to do the fun stuff too. You know, we want to, you know, work on double plays. We want to work on bunt coverages. We want to work on first and third plays. We want to work on relays. We want to work on rundowns. We want to work on all this cool stuff. And the uh, reality of it is none of that cool stuff is very cool if we don't throw the ball well and catch the ball. So we've got to make sure that we have a program in place that emphasizes the importance of that. It's something that we need to be working on at every single practice. And it's something that we need to be valuing at every single practice. So our players are serious about that aspect of their game. If we do that, then when it's time for us to work on our double plays or our first and thirds or whatever it is, that's the fun stuff where we get to kind of put our um, stamp on our team, you know, we're going to be able to execute those things so much more consistently and so much more effectively because we've taken some time to make sure that our kids have good footwork, that they, you know, throw the ball well that they understand that there's different kinds of throws for different situations that they understand you know how to throw the ball on the move or or receive the ball consistently and and catch it effectively and athletically all those things i think are the secret to ultimately having the kind of fun that we want to have as coaches but i think we get caught in this uh um, mindset of putting the cart before the horse and we're trying to do you know the uh, uh, amazing fabulous stuff when we are not consistent enough on the fundamental stuff so, so Tori as you're saying that I'm seeing uh, seeing our players you know doing a, a kneeling toss as we're working on our, our warm-ups trying to create good backspin on our throws um, working on shovel passes working on backhands and doing that just as a, a or maybe short hops to one another as we're doing our line drills for warming up uh, with our throwing, I'm seeing I'm seeing a team doing that kind of stuff every day, so that when they do get that odd situation that they can make a, a really cool initial movement for a double play at second base uh, to give a good feed for a, a nice shovel pass, or, right. or a backhand, or you know all those things that you rarely see but you got to practice it all the time. The short hops that kind of that catch a lot of players off guard they could be doing five or ten of those every time we we go out and work on our throwing right and i think that's well that's that's the thing i want our coaches to think about you know that uh we can work our our players can work on short hops or flips or half throws or dart throws very effectively in a very excuse me very efficient way every practice you know we go through and and this is something we're going to be working on here in the next couple weeks on our um, what we call everydays, which are the, the a system where we work on all these different specific pieces um, every day at the start of practice. Just a and little bit, right? Been doing yeah. it for a while, so it takes them about twenty, maybe twenty-five minutes. But in that in that twenty or twenty-five minutes, they've done 
forehands, backhands, uh, short hops, short hop forehand, short hop backhand. They've done shuttle throws. They've done dart throws. They've done box flips. They've done you know, arm slots. They've done all those different throwing and catching skills so that now when we set up to do the different fun stuff, you know, our, our shortstop and second baseman know how to flip the ball. They know how to dart throw the ball. They know how to half throw the ball. They know how to throw from different angles to, you know, to make all those things happen. And it doesn't take a coach hitting a ball to a player to give them a chance to work on it. You there's know, it can no, be something that you do in partners. It can be something you do in groups. I was going to say, there's no way a coach can facilitate that kind of repetition as doing it, you know, as a line drill or as a, a planned uh, warm-up for practice. There's no right. way. Yeah. And, and so so start to think about ways, and again, like I said, we're, we're going to have some additions to our YouTube uh, catalog here pretty quickly that will show you what we do with these drills uh, with, with our program. But what we want you to do is start to think about it. If you're going out to practice this this weekend, if you're going to, you know, if you're listening to this uh, podcast on you know, Wednesday or Thursday, and you've got a practice coming up this weekend, instead of thinking about, uh, well, our kids need to work on fielding fundamentals. Instead of you hitting them a bunch of balls, let them roll each other a bunch of balls. You know, and them working with a partner, you know, they can get you know 25 or 30 reps in in five minutes. Versus, if you're hitting them the ball, they they get the same number of reps in in an hour and 15 minutes. It's easier so, to it's easier you know, to throw start a good. To think about ways to get that you know that efficiency built in so that we can work on those fundamental skills consistently. Because I think unfortunately, what ends up happening is the fundamental pieces fall by the wayside. You know, we play a game, and we screw up a rundown. And we think that we screwed up the rundown because we don't understand how to do a rundown effectively, but we really screwed up the rundown because we threw the ball away. Right. Or we, we screwed up the rundown because we didn't catch the ball well when it was catchable. And so, you know, I think it's, you know, it's just important for us to, to remind coaches and to remind ourselves as coaches that um, most of what goes wrong with our team defense always comes back to these fundamental skills. And so let's make sure we're emphasizing them. Let's make sure that we're working really hard on them and making them a high priority. If you make it a high priority, if you want you know, make sure that your players understand that these everyday drills, these you know, very fundamental drills are the secret to long-term team success, we're going to all be a whole lot happier. And I think, too, uh, efficiency-wise, the, the back-end stuff we're talking about, I can throw 10 perfect shirt hop backhands a lot lot more easily than I can hit from home plate 10 perfect backhands for somebody. So you know, yeah, and, and again, I think it's it's a way for us to get a lot more done. And, and one of our goals is helping coaches understand that if you know, they're involving their players and, and helping each other with drills, if they're using their players to feed more balls and to you know, give more opportunities, you know, they're going to be so much more efficient. And so um, coaches, again, we just want to make sure you understand this is the absolute holy grail. If you want to have a good team, I don't care what level you're playing at. The number one thing for team defense has always got to be the ability to, to throw the ball catch. across the infield or throw the ball to somebody else with a purpose and to catch it well when it gets thrown or hit to you. So um, so let's really emphasize uh, throwing and catching. Uh, that's our coaching tip of the week. We really uh, uh, want our coaches to understand how important we think that is. So, Don, I got another couple of days out here in beautiful Colorado. Then I'll awesome. be back home. Um, so next week we'll be back to normal. We'll be recording together uh, in the podcast studio. Um, Looking forward to some good stories. Yeah, and we'll have we'll have plenty to talk about for sure. Um, I did want to throw a uh, 
little sidebar at a baby at my team uh, on this week's podcast. Uh, I don't know if anybody noticed uh, on TV last night they had a game between the U.S. national team and Chinese Taipei. Absolutely. It was Chinese a tight, Taipei, tight game. The team that we played uh, here in Atlanta a little bit ago, um, Team USA beat them one to nothing. And that, so that was um, awesome. Yep. So, so, so Team USA and uh, Atlanta Premier Gold Stewart have one thing in common. We've both beaten Chinese Taipei <laughs> by one run this summer. That is awesome. Yeah, we'll talk more about that. I know when you get back. Yeah, but it, it was it was fun to see. So, um, again, listeners, please uh, spread the word. Help us uh, help more fast pitch people find out about everything fast pitch by fast pitch prep. If we can get more people to listen to the podcast, we'd certainly appreciate it. If we can get more of you to uh, send us questions. Topic ideas. Uh, hopefully, we've uh, set a pretty clear example that if you contact us, we're going to answer your questions. We're going to use your information. We're going to add to our content by the suggestions that you give us. And we really appreciate your involvement. Again, as we said earlier, you can always reach us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or at fastpitchprep at gmail.com. And either one of those websites comes directly to our computer, and uh, we'll, we'll be happy to add your um, questions or topics. Um, or player of the week suggestions to next week's uh, agenda. Uh, so when Coach Don and I get together again, we can talk about uh, talk about whatever it is that you're curious about. Um, and again, as always, please check out our website at fastpitchprep.com. Uh, tons of information, blogs, um, and uh, uh, different kinds of uh, information about the different services that we offer. And again, I strongly recommend now that uh, many of you are knee deep into the recruiting process, check out the online recruiting seminar. Uh, it's broken down into several different purchase options. You can uh, purchase a specific segment if you think that applies to what it is that you're most needing as far as help in the recruiting process, or you can purchase the entire seminar and, and go through the whole thing from soup to nuts. There's a nice pre preview of each of them too they can hop on there and watch the preview and then decide and then you can watch it at your leisure if you're out here in colorado well by the time you hear this colorado will be long gone but as you're getting ready to go to your nationals uh, the college coaches are going to be there and i think we want to arm you with as much knowledge as possible so don anything else this week no hope you have an awesome trip tori and travel safe hope everybody there stays safe and enjoys their weekend and we'll look forward to next week's podcast Sounds good. So for uh, Coach Don McKinley in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio, and for me in my beautiful hotel in Aurora, Colorado, we're saying uh, please enjoy this episode and uh, ask your friends to listen. And we'll look forward to talking to you again next week with next week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch by Fast Pitch Prep. Thanks very much and have a great week.